Welcome to To Know the Love of Christ. Welcome back. In last episode, Jesus is brought before the Sanhedrin, which is all of the Jewish rulers, to an unusual trial. In desperation, the high priest finally asked what they wanted to convict Jesus for, calling himself the Christ, the Son of God. Then we experience Peter's painful denial of his friend. It was such a heartbreaking moment, one we can all sadly relate to. But today, we're going to study chapter 15, verses 1 through 20. Please pause here, pray, then read the passage, pray again, then start the podcast and join us because now we're getting into some really heavy passages. So um, that's why I say that. Okay, anyway, so pause here, read this passage and join us again. All right, so in chapter 15, before we start, I wanted to say uh, the parallel to this is in Matthew 27, verses 1 through 31. That includes um, Judas hanging himself in verses 3 through 10. Also, Luke 23, 1 through 25, Jesus is sent to Herod in these in that section, um, verses 6 through 12. That's not in any of the other um, Gospels. John 18, 28 through chapter 19, verse 16. And that gives a lot of detail of the conversation between Pilate and Jesus, especially verses 33 through 38. So if you want to read those verses as well, I highly suggest you do, um, because it gives it a more detailed description. Yeah. Yeah, look at it. Versus Mark, because we, you know, we discussed several times how Mark is to the point. Yeah, very quick. Which is okay. But, you know, to get a full picture of what's happening here, I highly suggest reading that. So anyway, verse 15, um, chapter 15, verses 1 through 5. The leaders are gathered together in in the morning um, to make a formal conviction. They had to get the Romans involved in order to sentence Jesus to death. And we discussed that a little bit last episode. So they bring him to Pilate, whose name was Pontius Pilate, or Pontius Pilate, however you want to pronounce it. Um, He was a governor of the Roman Empire. And it's interesting to note that in those other um, parallel scriptures, that Pilate didn't want to try Jesus. And we, I think we may have mentioned that last episode. Um, there were several reasons. We'll get into that in a little bit. But What I found very interesting was when you go to the parallel over in Matthew 27 at the start of this chunk of scripture here. Um, last episode, we discussed Peter's reaction to his betrayal of Jesus. How, you know, Jesus looked over at him. And he realized, like, oh, that very thing he said was going to happen that I claimed would not happen actually did happen, and how he wept over it. But we see how Peter ultimately reacted to that and how he was faithful past that. And here we see Judas's reaction once he comes to himself, because that's what happens. At some point after we sin, after we do something, we after we betray Christ, 
we come to ourselves. We realize that we've done it. And it's a very pivotal moment for each of us in our own lives. And we have Judas's reaction painted for us in Matthew 27. It says, verse 3, Then when Judas, his betrayer, saw that Jesus was condemned, he changed his mind and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? See to it yourself. And throwing down the pieces of silver into the temple, he departed and he went and he hanged himself. Based off this, that he really thought that Jesus would be found guilty. He thought that he was just going to get a little money. He also didn't understand, just like all the other disciples understood, uh, or did not understand. But it says that he changed his mind after he realized what had happened. Which a lot of times I know in my own life I do that. I'll do something boneheaded. Or I'll sin. Like, it doesn't, it's not always necessarily sin, but, you know, all of us do something that we wish we could take back. He goes and gives up the very thing that he did this for, which wasn't, you know, we've talked about the money. Like, it's not all that much money. I mean, it was a decent amount, but it wasn't worth betraying a friend over for sure. He does this, and then he's, he's willing to give up everything that he gained in order to make it right. And he can't. And once he realizes that, his pride, I would say that's what gets in the way here. His pride gets in the way. And so if I'm looking at myself, it doesn't matter how badly I want to make it right. It doesn't matter if I take all the steps to the nth degree and give up whatever benefit it got me to do what I did. Sometimes you just can't make it right past. I mean, you can, and we know like with sin, we can go to God, we can repent. And that makes it right. Jesus' blood makes it right. But I mean... I, I guess, you know, also that I hate that phrase, be careful who you get into bed with, be careful yeah. who you associate with and that you don't get tied up with people when you don't understand who they are. And I think that's exactly what happened here. Judas did not realize how corrupt they were. In fact, I would say that he identified with them to an extent and felt like what they were doing wasn't necessarily all that bad. We know Jesus would have taken him back had he repented. Oh, he know? would have. He took Peter back. Right. But to feel so overwhelmed with the guilt, thinking that you just can't get out of it, is just sad. And just don't know they can go back to Jesus or even to go to him. They they refuse to even look at it. And that's, Mm -hmm. we have got to be gentle with people. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's, but I mean, even if we're gentle, they don't always say yes. Jesus was the most gentle and meek person to ever exist. I mean, he was perfect. And we look at people and, and we don't even say statements about people. I was in a situation recently where this happened and someone was speaking very judgmental words against people living a certain way, which was sinful. Totally agree with that. You know, we do have to stand for the truth stand for the truth proclaim the truth i do think there is a tone that we cannot take and there is a way that we have to be careful how we say what we say and who we say it around if you don't know people's situation be very careful about the judgments you proclaim and the the fire in which you proclaim those with because you unknowingly can turn people away from god and yes they do need to know the truth but i mean Certain truths must precede other truths if we're going to help people come to Christ. And if the first thing we're doing is telling people where they're wrong, we are not being loving. I'm sorry. That just, 
that's not going to bode well in any situation. If you don't have a relationship, if you have no, I think I've used this term before, emotional capital, it just doesn't work. But when, you know, when we look at people that have that, what they would consider that massive guilt, like Judas felt that overwhelming guilt. And they just think there's no way God could love me. There's no way God could forgive me after everything I've done. And I tell them, no, God does love you. It's not, can he love you? He does love you. It's whether or not you can accept that love and forgive yourself. Because as long as you're willing to give it over to God and repent, he'll forgive you. You've got to learn to forgive yourself though. Okay. Verses three through five. Um, Jesus is silent again. You know, he doesn't say anything to the point where Pilate marvels that Jesus is not yeah, replying. He said he was amazed. Yeah. And it made me think of Isaiah 53, 7, that he was led like a lamb to the slaughter. Yeah, it's a fulfillment of prophecy. Yeah. We said that last episode so, with the Sanhedrin, but to continue in that mindset. Um, 6 through 15. Verse 6, now at the feast, he was accustomed, he being Pilate, was accustomed to releasing one prisoner to them, whomever they requested. My thing was, why? Why on earth was there even this tradition? It does seem a little weird, doesn't it? It is, but, so let me read verse 7. It says, and there was... One named Barabbas, who was chained with his fellow insurrectionists. They had committed murder in the insurrection. Well, I did some digging. And the insurrection may have been an uproar that Josephus records. Okay, so I was reading Josephus. Pilate and the Jews always had been at each other. Pilate would do something, like his first thing coming into the region... He brought in Caesar's statues, and the Jews had a large demonstration against it. You know, they were saying, no, it's against our religious beliefs, I guess you could say. Um, So Pilate took them away after, you know, much discussion. He even set undercover guards, soldiers, around in the crowd. And they knew that if Pilate gave the signal... They would just start slashing and killing the, the Jews. Okay. Oh, wow. This is how vicious Pilate was. But so he let them have their little demonstration. And after a while, he eventually took away all the statues. But to punish them for having this little uproar, he stole money from the treasury, the Jewish treasury, and redirected the aqueducts so that they were not able to get flowing water through their city now he's you can see how a piece of work he is so of course the jews went into a big uprising again they were upset to the point where Pilate did kill he did have his soldiers kill a bunch of jews um he arrested a bunch of them and it's commonly believed at least according to josephus that barabbas was one of the people that did the uprising but now, Barabbas was a bad dude. You know, he was a murderer. He was a robber. He was just, you know, as it's described in Matthew twenty-seven sixteen, he's he was notorious. You know, like I said, he was a robber. He was described that in John eighteen forty, and here, you know, he's described as a murderer. Um, so he was just notorious all around. They knew of him being horrible, 
but they think that he was part of that insurrection. So you can kind of see how this is going to unfold now. They're having a feast, of course. And so they're pitching a fit. We want Jesus dead. Who do you want, Barabbas or you Jesus? Now you can see him kind of going back and forth, the crowd fussing and crying out in the multitude, you know. And for them to cry out for Barabbas shows their... Depravity? Yes, their disgusting evil intent and to go around it says in verse 11 the chief priest chief priest now yeah you know not just some joe schmoo off the street no the chief priest stirred up the crowd so that he should release barabbas he lobbied it's disgusting it's just it it just shows how much they hated jesus that they're you know going around going yeah Barabbas is one of us. You know, yeah. he's a Jew. He, he was he fought against Pilate or you know, you yeah. could just hear him telling their rotten lies. Right. Stirring and, up I the mean, crowd. I mean, I know I've heard at least once somewhere in a sermon or read it somewhere someone mentioned that, you know, some of the people that Barabbas would have murdered someone there would have been affected by that. And maybe the chief priest went to them. No, no, listen, yeah. listen. Let, you Can know, you imagine? The, like, mm. I know it's all conjecture, but I mean, these right. are real people with real lives. And this would have... And this was a real event. I mean, it was yeah. recorded by Josephus. And it's not... I don't know. I guess it's so easy for us to come, you know, thousands of years later and read this and be like, oh, okay. And it's all linear. Mm-hmm. And it's all very neat. It's been laid out for us in an organized way. You know, and I would hope that I would have been among them. I can't imagine that to have, like, imagine my sister or someone murdered and then to stand in a crowd and be like, no, I hate this other guy so much. I would rather him be released. Because that's the thing. It's not like Brabus was a good guy and oh, he's getting out for right. good behavior. He's going to be more of the same after he's out. Yeah, exactly. It's not like he reformed that we know of. Well, I mean, everything's possible. Well, true. But I mean. But the way he's described, he's notorious. He's a murderer. Yeah. He's a robber. And they want that guy out. In that state. They and they can't execute him. him. Legally, unless the Romans do it, there is no executing. So, I mean, it's not like they can just take him and deal with him themselves. It's disgusting. It is. It's a big old sham. Yep. So in verse 9, in the other Gospels, Pilate wants to release Jesus. I think maybe... One reason is because he doesn't want to release Barabbas because of what he has done. So, you know, wants to punish him. And two, he was scared because in Matthew 27, um, 19, it says, while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent to him saying, have nothing to do with that just man, for I have suffered many things today in a dream because of him. And then in John nineteen eight, it says, the Jews answered him, we have a law and according to our law, he ought to die because he made himself the son of God. Therefore, when Pilate heard that saying, he was the more afraid. So he was scared of what he was about to do. Not scared enough to really fulfill it. I guess my whole life, I've always felt bad for Pilate, even though he was a bad guy. He he offers them every out. He gives them every opportunity. But he doesn't have, I think we talked about this before, he doesn't have 
like the moral fiber, um, mm-hmm. that strength of character to be able to step aside. Because, I mean, how you described him earlier, he's not a good guy. No, he's not. Um, historically speaking, he's not been described as one. And over in Matthew 27, 24 through 26, where he washes his hands, I mean... Talk about drama and showmanship, right. you know, like, okay, well. It's like his version of the tearing of the garment yeah, like that I'm, the Jews did. Yeah, I'm not doing this. This isn't me. This is y'all, even though he had the power to stop it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, of course, we know that all these things were done to fulfill Scripture and mm-hmm. that it was going to happen. God used these people providentially. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that means working through people that have no moral standing, that don't have that strength of character. And look at verse 10. For he knew that the chief priest had handed him over because of envy. Yeah. Yeah. And it's apparent to those on the outside. Mm -hmm. And that, I mean, that tells us in the church, the world can identify that when they see us squabbling and bickering and being divisive toward each other. And then I think we talked about this last episode. We come up with excuses for why we're doing what we're doing. Yeah. With justification. Yeah. They see it when we're, and that's, you know, and I realize, you know, a church, the church is for sick people. Mm-hmm. But all of us, every single human being falls in that category. And so we all need Christ and his blood. We all need to be there. It is a hospital, truly. But I mean, it is very easy for those outside to see that and say, I wash my hands of this because I don't want anything to do with it. But anyway. Oh, that's terrible. I know. It's all terrible. I feel like these are like the most, which makes sense. I mean, these are very heavy and tumultuous kind of passages. I I was going to say episodes because we are in episodes, but Mm -hmm. last episode, this episode, next episode. Mm. I'm not looking forward to that. No. But look at verse 12. He said, and Pilate answered and said to them again, what then do you want me to do with him whom you call the king of the Jews? This is the second time he calls Jesus the king of the Jews. It's almost like he's saying, hey, you know, he's king of the Jews. And I'm not going to say it now, but there's something I'm going uh, to say about that later in the next episode. Yes. Um, but what a question. That's a question we should be asking. What do we do with the king of the Jews? Do we betray him? Do we deny him? Do we, or do we follow him? Yeah, and I I think it also, the tone here, you know, and we know it was written and placed over him later. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Sorry, I won't go there. But the mockery here, and we're about to get into it in this episode as well. But I mean, like one of the reasons that they could have taken him to Pilate is because this would have challenged Pilate's authority. You know, if, if you've got someone here claiming to be king, you know, mm-hmm. um, that's going against the Roman authorities. So it would have been a threat, I guess, to their nation somewhat. So that might expedite the process. But in my mind, I'm not saying that this is absolutely the truth, but in my mind, it's almost like Pilate has this, like, Oh, he's a king. Like, really? Like, oh, such a threat. Mm-hmm. Kind of a deal. Like, And of the Jews? Yeah, of the Jews. Ooh. So you've got this oppressed people, mm-hmm. and you have a king, um, which Herod would have known somewhat about that. We've discussed that, Herod's past. 
and the fact that he was part, part Jewish, part Samaritan. And so he would have known some about that. So I'm wondering how much Pilate knew about these beliefs that the Jews held about their Messiah. Because the Messiah was a threat. Herod's father, right? Mm-hmm. Executed, executed babies. Executed babies, yeah. Because of the threats. I mean, I don't think, he's not taking it seriously for sure. Because he's willing to let the guy go. Yeah. And he's looking, he's looking on the outward appearance of Jesus, who has been spat on and beaten and treated horribly, probably smells nasty at this mm-hmm. point. And I mean, that's kind of just the theme of how everyone looked at Jesus. No one saw him for who he truly was, not until after the fact. So, so 13 and 14, 13, they crying out, crucify him. But Pilate, then Pilate said to them, you can almost hear it in his voice, why? What evil has he done? Yeah. You know, and they cried out more exceedingly, crucify him. I don't know. Can you hear a crowd just screaming, crucify him? How hard hearted do you have to be Coward. to like yeah. scream out for someone's death? And like, you know, it's that mob mentality. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's just disgusting. It is. is. So Pilate, wanting to gratify the crowd, released Barabbas to them, and he delivered Jesus after he had scourged him to be crucified. Now, according to Josephus, scourging, 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 scourging always came before someone who was being crucified. And usually... They died before they were even crucified. Yeah. Well, and a lot of times, from what I found, it was done on the way to there. being crucified. It wasn't done like in one act, like it would have been on the way while he walked mm-hmm. there, or it would have been done after they'd already attached him to the cross. Ew. Well, I was reading in Josephus. So they have him bound by his hands to a low-lying post. He had his back exposed. He was bent right. over. So that the, the flesh is stretched. I know. That's the worst part of all of this. Uh, well, not the worst part, but, no, it's, but it's, it's, it's gruesome. It's graphic. Mm-hmm. And we don't think about that. I know when The Passion came out, the movie mm-hmm. The Passion, it was eye-opening for a lot of people. Um, I remember there was one time we were about to do the Lord's Supper and someone went through the graphic details of it. And while I appreciate the thought, it was extremely distracting and hard to focus on just Jesus and what I would normally focus on. Mm-hmm. And for those who don't know, I think we may have described it once before, but scourging is a whip that had several straps at the end of it. And at the end of those straps were pieces of bone and metal and just sharp objects so that when the soldiers whipped the person it deliberately lot those pieces lodged into the skin and so it would like shredded the flesh it shredded the flesh and it was like stephanie said it was gruesome and like i said many would have died Died. at this point shock blood loss blood yeah Yeah. because it would just and i mean imagine doing this with no sleep and no food. Because, yeah. you know, he didn't eat since that no. supper. The, the last supper. Yeah. All right. So verse 16 says, Then the soldiers led him away into the hall called 
Praetorium, and they called together the whole garrison. Every Roman soldier in the area was here at this point. And they clothed him, meaning Jesus, with purple, and they twisted a crown of thorns, put it on his head, and began to salute him. Hail, King of the Jews. The complete mockery here shows the disdain that the Romans had for the Jews because they didn't like it, the Jewish nations. And, and of course, the crown of thorns. You know, they twisted a crown, so that's mocking him being a king. And they just wanted to inflict more pain. He was just mutilated. And they want to put a crown of thorns on his head, which, you know, there's not much flesh there. There's skin, and then there's the skull. Yeah. So to to put this crown on his head... It, mm. it Yeah, there was... It was just like emotional or I guess mental cruelty at mm-hmm. that point. I mean, it would have it said, you know, because they twisted it, some would have pointed inward toward his flesh, but some would be pointing out. But um, from what I found, and so this crown was supposed to mimic the wreath that was worn by Hellenistic rulers um, because only the highest king would wear an actual crown instead of a wreath. So here they're portraying him as that vassal prince which is kind of like vassal is when you have to sell yourself or you are sold to someone else kind of like slavery, but like you receive like land and things like that as long as you work underneath someone like a Lord. And so it'd be like a puppet King of sorts. Well, you see what they think of their puppet King. Look at verse 19. Then they struck him on the head with a reed and spat on him and bowing the knee they worshiped him which is just yeah that's how you paid homage to a king was by falling on one's knees but i mean and that's the thing they took it you know it's like when you take a joke too far Mm -hmm. this is no joke of course but i mean like hail is how they greeted the roman emperor and so you wouldn't greet anybody else like that you know, it makes my stomach lurch. Oh, me too. And so, like, I can't imagine, like, inflicting this on a human being. And it's not like they're silently doing it. Like you said, there's laughter. They are drawing joy, like mirth, from doing this. And I'm, it makes me think about Vashti, Vashti, mm-hmm. however you want to say that. You know, how the king's men, he had this whole all party going. Yeah, all his bros, and they were drunk and acting ridiculous and it makes me think about that or well I don't even know where I went there because we had this last season with Herod and his merry little bros Mm -hmm. and Herodias asking for John the Baptist's head I'm wondering whether where the high priests and all are at this point are they watching this where are their disciples and are the high priests feeling anything are they feeling disgust? Are they feeling like they're part of the bromance here? Are they feeling, you know, like Judas did? Are they feeling like Peter did? Are they just, I don't know. What I wonder if they're there and what. If it was hard for them to mm-hmm. watch. All right, verse 20. <gasps> verse 20, the last cha- verse we're going to study tonight. And 
today. And when they had mocked him, they took the purple off him and put his own clothes on him and led him out to crucify him. Now, they put this purple robe on him, remember? This purple cape, robe, whatever. He had just been mutilated, and they put this cloth on him, probably like a cape, and they took it off. You know they're not being gentle. So the blood seeped into the cloth, and you know they're ripping it off of him, and there it is, just being, ugh, just, just the pain that Jesus was going through. He's been beaten, he's been slapped, he's been spit on, he's probably swollen, he's been mutilated, he's been made fun of, alone, exhausted, hungry, exhausted, weak, and he didn't do anything, but took it all. Okay, where do we see the love of Christ? hard to pinpoint I mean sometimes it is really really hard to pinpoint but I mean like I feel like with this one it is for me at least I would say which it's kind of like the last episode for me like where he it said he made no answer in verse five and he goes through the rest of this and you watch him let's see verse 15 is where he's scourged but I mean he it's not like he wasn't present for this so like he's watching these people be cruel and decide what's going to happen to him. Like you said, at any point, he could have called down heaven. He could have completely destroyed everything and just ended it right there. But because of his love for us, I mean, that's the whole reason he came, his love for us. Like he allowed these things to unfold. And I'm a very impatient person. And just the patience he would have to have as he's going through this. And then, and then he scourged. And to just exist inside of that situation, exist and not lash out, even though you have the power. I mean, he could have had, he had the power to heal himself, you know, but to allow it to persist and to continue and to allow these people to do the worst things that they could think of to him. I mean, it said that um, in Roman tradition, crucifixion was the most brutal way to kill someone. Like that was the worst of the worst like insult adding insult to injury mm-hmm. you know and just the fact that he he didn't do anything to stop it I think I see it in verse 2 you know it says then Pilate asked him are you king of the Jews and he answered and said to him it is as you say it's almost a a way of Reminding himself because he knows it's about to get really, really bad. And he's saying, I am king of the Jews. I am their king. I am, I am, I am, you know. Yeah. And to add, and that's what it is. Like he is their king. And they are doing this to him. Mm-hmm. This is Israel. They asked for a different king other than God. He said, let them have their king. And they went through all that. God showed them, no, this is not what you want. And then Jesus came, God in the flesh, and they just destroy him. In like, every way possible. Yeah. 
the fact that he claims them still. I mean, how many earthly kings would willingly claim and sacrifice themselves for a nation that does nothing but tears them down? All right. Thank you guys so much for joining us again. Uh, We know these episodes are getting heavier and heavier, but there is hope. There is light. You know, Mm -hmm. the darkest hour in history is just an hour. But I mean, it is just one chapter of the whole story. So if you have any questions or comments or, you know, just want to talk, we're here. Reach out to us in that email address that we sent out before, um, over social media, any way that you'd like to contact us. We'd love to study with you guys if you're local. And if not, we'd love to connect you to someone who is local to you. We'd love to pray with you or for you if you'd rather just us pray for you. Let us know. As always, we hope you'll see You can reach out to us on Facebook or Instagram. We would love to hear from you. And be sure to click like and share this episode with family and friends. In doing so, you're sharing the love of Christ.